Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Delicious Brainwaves podcast. My name is Ross. I'm a full-stack developer at Delicious Brains working on the sites team, and I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, Ahmed Hussain. Hi, Ahmed. Do you want to say what you get up to here? Hey, Ross. I'm really pleased to be back uh, with you on another episode of the podcast, uh, discussing a subject that's really near and dear to my heart. So today, we're going to talk about our experiences learning JavaScript. We know that many backend PHP developers have struggled to learn JavaScript because it's such a different language. But I think we're both now enjoying writing JavaScript after some time of very much not enjoying it. Is that your experience? I've uh, always enjoyed writing JavaScript because it was really, um, it looked fancy to me, the things that you could do with JavaScript. Um, but yeah, it came a, a huge part of my life lately. So, well, I have to love it now. <laughs> cool. Well, JavaScript is now such a huge part of WordPress development, and it's just generally a useful skill to have even as a backend developer. So I thought it would be good to talk about that journey, share our experiences in the hope that we can convince you, if you're not convinced already, that it's actually not all that bad and give you some pointers for getting started on your own JavaScript journey. But first, there's this big news, there's this elephant in the room that I feel that we have to say something about. Um, have you heard the big news, Ahmed? Yeah, our plugins got bought by WP Engine. Right, and we won't say much about that here other than that if you have any questions or concerns or don't know that this has happened or want to find out more, please, please, please go and read the announcement posts, which, and I've always wanted to say this, we'll put links to them in the show notes. Um, and really, most of what you need to know is in those uh, articles that have been written about the transition. But your plugins are safe, your existing licenses are safe, the teams working on the products are moving over to WP Engine, and there's lots of exciting potential for the products in their new home. There's also been some big changes with WP Migrate DB, right? Um, so the big thing that the plugin got renamed to WP Migrate instead of uh, WP DB Migrate because as you all know, it's not just about migrating databases. Um, we also have uh, some new features that we introduced in version 2.3. The first one is database list migrations. So now you can initiate a migration without uh, worrying about having to transfer all, all your database tables or doing some trickery to, to get the migration going. You can just untick the database box and start your migration. Um, we also integrated all, all of our add-ons into the core. So you don't now you don't really need to install any additional add-ons to get uh, additional functionalities like uh, media files, uh, multi-sites, uh, and themes and plugins. They are just built into the core. Um, Subsite to subsite migrations. And now you also get theme and plugin version comparison. Uh, from a user point of view, I use this uh, in my day job here at Delicious Brains. And this was like such a huge feature release. Getting up and running with WP Migrate is now uh, so much quicker. Now you don't have to install the add-ons. And dataless migrations is something that I've been wanting for literally years. So that's great. And what's coming up in future releases? So we're currently working on uh, version 2.4, which will include... Uh, the ability to migrate other files and directories such as must-use plugins, languages, and third-party directories found within the WB content folder, uh, improvements to speed and reliability, and better error handling. Great stuff. Exciting times ahead. And you can get WP Migrate without the DB on the end uh, from the Delicious Brains website. It's 
funny being able to log in and see your own purchases now that I work here in the system. I'm, I was around user 1000 of WP Migrate. I've been a user since 2013, nine years ago. And I literally have the t-shirt when they were given t-shirts away and it remains a critical part of my workflow. Saves me so much time and effort. It's a quality tool that's worth every penny. So JavaScript, <laughs> yeah. what, let's start by talking about the bad bits of JavaScript. What is it that makes it like difficult to approach if you come from a PHP background? And we got a number of points written out that we'll talk through. Maybe we can take it in turns or pick up the ones that we're particularly keen about. Um, do you want to start or shall I, shall I get going with the first few? Yeah, you can start. Okay. So one of my first jobs in software development was uh, working in safety critical software engineering. And in that role, we used very, very strongly typed languages. So I was brought up like having to declare things like exactly how long my arrays were and exactly what type everything was. And so one of my big things about JavaScript when I started using it was just the weak typing and how many assumptions are made by the interpreter about your code. It, it kind of tries to figure out what it is that you're trying to do. And PHP does that to some extent, but I don't know, it just felt so much uh, weirder the way that JavaScript did it. That's my uh, my first point. Weak typing isn't really a problem uh, for me because when I first got started working with JavaScript, PHP didn't really have any kind of like strict typing system. And still today, I'm stuck writing PHP 5.6 for Migrate. And that doesn't really also like uh, strict your, your typing. You can, of course, like define types for uh, arguments and stuff, but it's not really uh, as, as strict per se. This point specifically is, isn't a major setback for me, but yeah, I can, I can uh, understand what people coming from other languages might, might think about it. Um, so the, the, the next point is about uh, NPM package management and build tool chains, uh, chains and Webpack. Well, and we definitely didn't mention that the whole plethora of other tools that you can find for the JavaScript ecosystem, but coming from a language that you like PHP that you can just write script and run it without having to have any kind of tool chain, it's a little bit confusing and it's a lot of overhead yeah it's kind of hard to get started and i remember i tried to learn the syntax for webpack config files and oh just it's it's like learning an entirely new language so uh, that's why i specifically mentioned webpack but that's improving and we'll come to that later on uh, my next javascript issue is the fact that it's this event driven language and that so much stuff happens asynchronously so you'll fire off a request for something to happen and it happens in the background and then comes back with some kind of event or runs a callback or more recently will execute a promise or return a promise or you can use async await and it's just because php just kind of flows through statement by statement if you've written php or a language like php and you come into javascript all of a sudden you're faced with this stuff that's happening in the background without you doing everything and not everything happens sequentially in in a set order and i i was completely baffled by that for a while and how to get my head around it so yeah i don't know what you think about that i, I deeply love promises i think await and yeah i 
again, yeah, we did. We don't have anything like that in PHP, at least in vanilla PHP. Well, you can you have uh, a, a little bit of this concept in the WordPress uh, framework. But yeah, it's really confusing. Promises, especially, are very confusing when you're first learning them, and the concepts of resolving and rejecting promises is a little bit confusing. Async awaits. They they basically async functions basically return a promise, which is again very confusing. Yeah, when you first learn them, they are super confusing. But once you get the hang of them, they they are super powerful tools. Sure, I know we're talking about the bad bits at the moment. Well, we'll yeah. come around and talk about uh, the good bits and how we can learn um, about these things and find our yep. way through them later on. What's next on the list? Browser compatibility and transpiling, and yeah, this is really confusing. Writing some features of JavaScript that you don't even know that they don't work with the current browsers and then you have to use the tool chains uh, that we mentioned to transpile them into a version that's uh, understood by most of the browsers that we run on on our computers yep and there's all things like polyfills as well so sometimes you can yeah um add in some extra code that helps an older browser implement a new feature yeah but it's very hard knowing what's supported and what isn't and what what code you can safely write and what you can't that was uh, an issue for me for sure next one for me is that javascript is i I don't really know how to say this i've written sort of object oriented it has this prototypal inheritance as it's called and if we're mentioning words that don't mean anything to you just now then um (laughs) that's kind of the point that there's a lot of uh different terminology in javascript than there is in uh, php and some other languages you might have come from yeah but yes it's sort of object oriented it sort of has some of the concepts of that but the ways in which it's implemented if you come from a traditional object oriented background um or if that's how you like to to style and architectural code then yeah you might be scratching your head for a while trying to figure out how javascript does some of that stuff yep for sure prototypal inheritance is something that i keep struggling with i read about and i understand it for a bit but then i completely forget about it again and i have to always come back and read this this the same thing every time i I need to understand how prototype works that's my entire journey with javascript right there (laughs) (laughs) so my next point is lack of clear patterns for development the patterns that you are used to writing for PHP, for example, does not be, exist in JavaScript, and there is no clear alternative for, and there is no uh, equivalent for uh, in- include and require, for example. Of course, we now have the import for m- modules and common GS stuff, but there are still not as clear as their php counterparts yeah i think that's right i think php has some uh, really clear patterns which don't work very easily inside javascript so that transition across has been has been pretty hard the next two i think are really big ones the next one is weird scope rules and closures so when you come into javascript and uh, there's a couple of concepts in javascript which can really confuse you and trip you up like scope hoisting and uh, the way in which scope rules work in javascript and if you came into javascript a few years ago and looked at it a few years ago you'll have seen the all these like nested closures like functions within functions callbacks within callbacks all nested down and it was very clear uh, how everything ran and where variables were visible and what values they might have at any given time so yeah there's a whole load of like i'm going to call it weird but it's actually from a javascript point of view it's of course perfectly normal but if you're coming to it from somewhere else then some of the scoping stuff that happens in javascript is a bit strange yep for sure. And I don't think that got more clear with the introduction of the promises in E6 with the, the then. It's not really much clearer still the hell of nested thens that you are seeing now instead of the uh, nested callbacks. 
but uh, it's an improvement. So my next point is the speed of evolution. And um, having so many frameworks to learn and work with, and it is changing every day. So at Delicious Brains, we are using React for the, the GUI for Migrate. And I know the guys at OME are using Svelte. So here in the same company, and we are using different frameworks for different products. So you, you can imagine how it is. And that changes so rapidly, doesn't it? I listened yeah. to the Syntax FM podcast and it seems like every month they're talking about some big new thing that's coming out. So uh, yeah, it's difficult to keep up and don't feel that you have to, I think is the answer to that, that um, you don't have to learn all of the new things that come out, wait for the ones that sort of win the competition and become popular. And lastly, you don't know this, but it was my birthday yesterday. I'm not oh. expecting you to sit. Happy birthday. Um, thank you. Um, but I am quite old now. I've got quite a lot of grey hair uh, that you can't see on the podcast. And the culture around JavaScript just feels to me like uh, there's lots of young people in JavaScript and the culture just uh, feels very, very different to me. Um, I feel a bit left out. I feel a bit old. I don't know. Uh, I think you're younger than me. Do you, do you feel any of that? Well, I'm not very young. So yeah, I feel that. I feel I feel so old, especially when I, I, I only had, at some point I only had uh, experience with jQuery and vanilla JavaScript. And I had to dive into the world of re learning about Vue.js, ESX, and React. And I felt so old because there are a lot of stuff I didn't even knew existed. And I had to go back and learn about all these stuff. So yeah, it's really overwhelming. We're doing well. We're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> um, so that's, that's some of the pain points that we've had along our journeys and some of the things that have been difficult about JavaScript. What do you think is, is good about JavaScript? Because it wouldn't be as massively successful as a language that it is if there wasn't something good about it. So let's find some of those things. So the first thing is it is really easy to get started learning JavaScript. You can just literally type uh, your code in the browser console, run it, and see the results in front of your eye. So it, it is that easy to, to start learning. And I think what helps with that is that there's, there is actually really good documentation on MDN, the uh, Mozilla Developer Network. The documentation there is really good. Caniuse.com uh, will tell you what features and uh, parts of the language work in different browsers. That's a really helpful resource. There's, there's a, a ton of amazing uh, learning and reference resources around for JavaScript. And that whole sort of educator ecosystem is really great. I think there's loads of different paths to learning your way through JavaScript itself. Yeah. And uh, there are also some amazing APIs and libraries. And this actually was uh, one of the things that drew me into the JavaScript world is how amazing APIs do you have to accomplish really cool stuff. And I remember dabbling with the geolocation APIs when they, they first came out with HTML5 and building a WordPress plugin that geolocated your comment. So when you're, when you're posting a new comment that uses the geolocation APIs from JavaScript to get your uh, latitude, longitude, and save it into database. And it was mind-blowing. There are also more advanced APIs like the text-to-speech, camera, Bluetooth, Canvas, 3D, a lot of stuff, a lot of fun that you can have with JavaScript just in the browser that you're using every day. That's so true. I was messing about with uh, you can do text to speech so you can get your computer to read you stuff but i was also doing speech to text the other way around um the other day and making wordpress uh, voice controlled which was great fun but this is all built in and and so easily accessible there's loads of uh, loads of fun to be had messing around with what you can do in the browser plus a lot of the things that we talked about as 
problems or issues or weaknesses of JavaScript can also be turned around and seen as potential benefits or good things about JavaScript as well. So I talked about weak typing. And did you say that that was kind of, you found that all really easy. My, my specific background yeah. uh, meant that I found that tricky. But for a lot of people, not having to learn a type system, not having to worry about type juggling and converting things between strings and integers and stuff like that is actually en enables you to get going with the language much more quickly. And as long as the, the JavaScript interpreter is making the right assumptions about what you want to do, it's actually helping you along. So, uh, so weak typing can be a, a plus point as well as a, a minus. And I think probably me with my background, I'm in a minority of web developers here. Yeah. And especially because uh, uh, JavaScript isn't really advanced when it comes to like an uh, object-oriented stuff. Um, so you don't really get interfaces. Uh, you don't really have dependency injections. So you, you don't really need that strict typing, honestly. And you can just do with whatever it gives you, like dy dy dynamic typing, you know, to have a variable that holds anything, and that's it. Just because of how simple the JavaScript is, I don't think it's really necessary to have that kind of strict typing in it sure but there are um things like typescript has become really popular now have you experience of using typescript yeah i'm not a big fan honestly <laughs> so why is that <laughs> if you if you think that javascript is complicated and it's really hard to get uh, into learning it then go try typescript it is much harder the syntax is really weird even for an experienced javascript developer and you can't just run TypeScript in, in the browser uh, like you do with JavaScript. So you have to compile it. So this adds more overhead to the, to, to the process that we already discussed, more tools, more, more, more tool chains. And you don't get the benefits of uh, strict typing outside of the compiler. So it just does these checks while it's compiling your code. But in runtime, you are just going to because it's uh, it's being compiled down to normal javascript you are just going to get the good old dynamic typing javascript back again into your typescript code so i i don't really see the benefit of this it is just it's i think it's only beneficial in code organization kind of way but nothing else yeah i think i think it's helpful to have some of the prompts that it gives you inside your your code editor as well i've used not full-on typescript but i've used a js doc which is where you can put typescript annotations in your uh in like comment blocks a bit like php doc doc blocks and they're helpful in that they can help with like autocomplete in your IDE and stuff. But yeah, certainly as a beginner, like stay away from TypeScript. <laughs> Pick it up as and when you need to rather than learning it from scratch, I would say. Would you agree with that? Yep, for sure. Cool. Um, I mentioned that I struggled with the whole event-driven nature of JavaScript and uh, asynchronous coding and the flow of operations through a piece of code. But actually, that is one of JavaScript's biggest pluses, I think, the fact that you can spawn all these jobs and have them go off and run and uh, only deal with the results when they come back. I think because you're driving user interfaces and interacting with uh, remote APIs a lot of the time when you're writing JavaScript. You can do the things we can do in JavaScript without asynchronous coding. So that's definitely an enormous plus point for JavaScript once you've got to grips with it. Yep, for sure. We wouldn't be able to do any of the cool things that we do in Migrate, for example, without having asynchronous JavaScript features because we do heavily rely on using something like the Fetch API which is built on promises and you just send send on an HTTP request and your your UI is not 
blocked by anything. It go does whatever it needs to do in the background and comes back with your response a few seconds later. And it's really, really great. It did take me a long time to get my head around it, though. <laughs> but once you do, you feel like you've got all this power to do all these amazing, wonderful things. What's next up? I've got a note about uh, reactive libraries like React and Vue and Alpine JS, which you may not have heard of. But yeah, I, this kind of goes alongside the asynchronous coding stuff, I suppose, that reactive frameworks allow you to write much more declarative code that expresses your intent rather than the steps required to achieve what you want to achieve. And I'm writing much less JavaScript now that I'm using the Alpine JS library uh, for my JavaScript sprinkles. That's hard to say. But there's also React and Vue. I think you've used React a bit more than me, have you? So maybe you could say something about the power that they give you. Yeah, I, I did use both React and Vue. And I am a big fan of React, although I know a lot of people don't like it at at the moment. But I think, yeah, React is like the jQuery of today. It, it gives you a lot of power using, again, good old JavaScript that you already uh, know and familiar with. And it, it really it uses the power of how JavaScript is implemented and how it works in the background to give you that kind of fluid, dynamic UI. And it's really amazingly easy to write. And as, as you mentioned, declarative uh, programming, it, it, it is, uh, yeah, I'm, I can go on and on talking about React because I, I love it so much. Not much, not much of a Vue uh, GS lover here, but yeah, I respect those who write it. Should maybe just explain what, what reactive means in this sense. So if you've dabbled with jQuery, you may be familiar with going and selecting an element from the DOM. So you say, go and get this button, and then you attach an event handler to it. So you say, when this button is pressed, then go and update this piece of data over here. You might then respond to that change in data in some way by saying, when this piece of data changes, then you select another element out of the DOM and you update that with the content of that data item. And what reactive libraries do is they allow you to express that much more succinctly where you just put little tags on the uh, parts of the DOM on your bits of HTML. So you can, for example, say this input element is tied to this particular piece of or this particular JavaScript variable. And then when the, when the variable changes, the input updates. And when the input changes, the variable updates. So you just very, very expressively say, link the this piece of data to this input and they'll stay in sync without you having to do anything else. So very, very powerful way of programming in JavaScript. Yep, that's true. What do you think about how fast it's evolving? Can that be a pro as well? Oh, no, it's not a pro. It, it's never a pro. Well, it is great that things are evolving and using new technologies and stuff. But the problem with that is you have to keep learning. You have to keep changing the way that you write code. If we take React as an example, look at how React was written a few years ago using the classes and extending the components classes and how it's written now just using function function components it is ex it's extremely different from how it was and you need to learn the new way if you want to use it and if you want to maintain your your old code so you have to to know how to write both versions at the same time which is yeah really hard to do and kind of confusing yeah i've heard that about react yeah. And I, I kind of agree, but I also think that the fact that so many people are writing JavaScript and producing so much open source yeah. uh, stuff, you know, that's that's contributing to its evolution. And yeah, Re React and Vue are created by some of the big multinational corporates. Oh no, Vue isn't. Vue's completely independent, actually, isn't it? Yeah. 
but yeah there's there's also a ton of smaller libraries that are springing up created by independent developers so there is something about how many people are working in the ecosystem and the rate of evolution hopefully we're heading towards a place where javascript and its ecosystem is a bit more stable so yeah hopefully the speed of evolution will slow down at some point let's also talk about tooling just finally in our pros section some of these tools are amazing what what uh, some of your favorite tools in the JS ecosystem? I'm not a, a huge user of uh, Visual Studio Code, but I do really like how it integrates very well with JavaScript. But one of my favorite tools is ES Lint and Prettier because I, I basically use those. Uh, these are the most used JavaScript tools that I'm using every day because every time I change a file, I hit save, it hits ES, uh, ESLint and fixes all my uh, code style issues. Uh, so yeah, Prettier and ESLint are, are my uh, top list there. Uh, so they're kind of linters, aren't they? They're like equivalent of PHP CS and, and tools like that? Yep, exactly. But they do fix your issues real time without having to run a special command for it. At, at least you, ha you have to run a special command for it, but the editor does it for you. So Nice. Yeah. I've, I've played with some of these and they, they do seem just the whole ecosystem of javascript stuff just at the moment seems so much quicker in its operation than some of the php stuff it does make php feel a bit clunky in places i'm also aware like there's some stuff i'd love to check out like some of the testing frameworks like uh, jest i've heard a lot about um, and then there's like functional variants of JavaScript like Elm, which compile, it's like a functional, high level functional language that compiles down into JavaScript a bit like TypeScript does. And TypeScript itself, these are all just amazing tools that people have sort of built on top of JavaScript or that help you with your JavaScript development. So loads of amazing good stuff there. Oh, well, that's a, a lot of good and bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about our journeys. I'll maybe just give a quick overview of, because I did, I used to be a big JavaScript skeptic, I confess. I, I didn't like coding in it, and now I'm having a lot of fun with it. So maybe it's worth talking a little bit about how that happened. What was your sort of first experience of JavaScript? Were you working with jQuery or something like that? Yeah, I started working with uh, jQuery in 2009, because that, that was the thing that you do when you start writing JavaScript. You just... Yeah. Use jQuery. Yeah. No, I was the same. I've got 2010 in my notes as the point that I, that I started with jQuery. And I remember, like, it wasn't my job to write any JavaScript at all, but I really wanted to get to grips with it. And I remember taking an ebook on, it must have been like a very early smartphone of some sort, into the work canteen in my, in my workplace and sitting down with my lunch and learning jQuery off of this tiny, like, early iPhone screen or something. So that was where I got started writing, writing JavaScript with jQuery. And then I'm not sure in what order these things happened but at some point i did there's a guy called wes boss who does a lot of javascript courses and he released an es6 course so es6 is a particular modern uh, evolution of javascript and uh, he released a course teaching all these new features in this new version of javascript and i paid for and did that course and i remember thinking oh actually i don't need all this jquery stuff because most of this is now built into the language itself so it suddenly seemed like this is a lot more sort of performant and optimized, and I should really look into this a bit more. Wesboss also has a little course called JavaScript 30, which is completely free to take, and it's 30 exercises where he's written some code or given you the front end of something and you have to write the logic using this modern javascript and it's incredible fun he's got like a, a drum kit and a soundboard and he does stuff with with microphones and video and they're really really fun exercises to work through and i think i started to get a bit of a bug like that a bit like you said ahmed with these modern apis and all the stuff you can do in the browser 
capturing yeah. your attention. I then learned some Vue as I was looking, uh, spending some time in the Laravel ecosystem and Vue was incredibly popular over there. And yeah, that looked like it was very powerful. And I did a couple of projects where I used a lot of view in uh, in the front end of a couple of projects at the time bundling and modules so this is in javascript the equivalent of doing include or require um so pulling code in from other files to other places and at the time that was a bit of a mess there there were about like three or four different means of doing that and it wasn't standardized i think that has improved now but the whole bundling and modules thing was a bit of a a sub journey that i had to go on figuring out how all of that worked and sort of continued finding out what you could do with modern vanilla javascript without any frameworks and dug in a bit deeper with a couple of resources which are kyle simpson's you don't know js books and a resource which uh, one of the heads of react put out called just javascript and those two resources really like got me to understand exactly what my javascript code was doing under the hood and how the scoping rules worked and what this was and how the value of this changed so this is like uh, you have that in php as well don't you the dollar this variable yeah they, they just demystified a whole load of things about how javascript works and so sort of carried on reactive programming and this thing called alpine js came along and that's quite a bit like jquery 2 in that just lets you it's not a big library the idea was that react and Vue are quite large libraries that are difficult to learn um, alpine enabled you to just start putting little javascript sprinkles around your code to you know open modals and drop downs and things so that was quite a step for me to to have this small library that enabled me to just do simple javascript stuff i was listening to some podcasts syntax fm i've already mentioned and west boss the guy who made those courses i did he's um one half of the team who make the syntax podcast uh there are a couple of other podcasts as well such as what is now no plans to merge which are some laravel guys who were doing a lot of javascript stuff as well and they were like pointing out resources and things that you could do so they were helping me pick and choose what to look at and with all that stuff on board with that demystification of the language these new libraries that i could use the newer es6 version of javascript they all kind of enabled me to just embrace javascript a lot more in the work that i was doing and it started to become exciting and the tool chains, the build tool chains were a bit complicated for a while, but they've simplified as well now. And yeah, here I am now uh, selling JavaScript as something that people should learn. And I've built um, Electron applications and browser extensions, and I actually spend quite a lot of my time writing JavaScript now. So it has been a journey. There's been some steps along the way. There's been lots to learn, but definitely been worthwhile. And I've ended up in a place where I'm not scared of it. I'm kind of excited about the things that I can do with JavaScript. So I definitely say start out on the journey yourself if you haven't already. Yeah. What about you? You started jQuery a year before me. Talk about some of the stuff that you've learned along the way. Yeah, one thing before that is you're definitely older than me because you, you learned it. You learned uh, JavaScript while at work. Well, when I started in 2009, I was at my uh, on my couch at home studying for my high school finals. And I saw that video on YouTube. A 12-year-old kid was doing a Google TikTok about jQuery. And the video was super interesting. Well, imagine a 12-year-old kid like knowing how jQuery works inside and out and demoing that for a bunch of Google employees. And so it was kind of mind-blowing. I picked up the jQuery document uh, documentation and started reading 
uh, about it and uh, started uh, dabbling with the effects APIs like fade in, fade out, because these were, I think, the coolest things that you, you can do with jQuery at, at the time because the, they were super hard to do with vanilla JavaScript and it was super easy to do with jQuery. But then I moved on playing with vanilla JavaScript when HTML5 was a hot topic. So I, I remember that after Google released Chrome, they started pushing heavily for the standards for JavaScript and HTML and getting everybody who's uh, developing browsers to come up with a single standard to work with. And they released uh, a few demos for the APIs they had then. And I think geolocation was one of those. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I picked that up. It, it was mind-blowing having a geolocation API in the browser. Because as, at the time, I also remember iPhones were a new thing and were very hot at the moment to be an iOS developer. And I, I didn't have the resources to be an iOS developer back then. So I had to figure out how to do the things that those iOS guys are doing in the browser because that was much easier. And they had all these fancy geolocation APIs and device sensors APIs. And with, with the introduction of HTML5 and the JavaScript APIs that came along with it, you had these kind of powerful APIs built in into the language and into the browsers that you were using. And then I started developing some Chrome extensions. They they weren't really powerful. They weren't really cool. They were just using some Intel platform APIs. So you, you had to install some uh, third-party program on your computer and you get access to those new JavaScript APIs in Chrome where you can read the, the utilization data and temperature and other stuff from your CPU and display those using JavaScript. So I had this extension that you can click on and know that your CPU utilization, core temperature, and what and, and other stuff just right into the browser. It wasn't cool because you you had to install third-party application to, to get access for to them. But yeah, it was definitely cool that you could do this in the browser. And then when I started working professionally, I got introduced to the to uh, JavaScript running on mobile applications or mobile devices. So you had, at the, at the time, you had frameworks like Titanium and PhoneGap. I think those are kind of dead now, at least PhoneGap. Uh, the idea behind them is you can write the JavaScript that you are familiar with, that you know, in, a, in an editor that they, they give you, and you then compile it, and it works on a mobile application, on iOS or Android. And that's where I started to see the potential of JavaScript outside of the browser, because until that point, all my interaction with JavaScript was, of course, running in Chrome or any other browser. But then, yeah, well, JavaScript runs outside of the browser, which is really cool. It was also where I realized that you could extend the potential JavaScript by introducing new APIs to it because this is what these tools did. They built new APIs into the language and they just compile it somehow, fancy tools or tool chains for them to work on those mobile devices. And Titanium, I think, was using at the moment CommonJS so you can write cross-platform modules. And this is where I got introduced to the concept of requiring JavaScript files. This was one of the frameworks that utilize that. So yeah, I spent a few years working on just writing JavaScript full-time. 
to develop mobile applications and it was the the old javascript for es6 so then i started reading into that esx and uh, npm and modern tool chains um and like you playing with electron because yeah electron was a huge thing for me at least because yeah it took again it didn't take javascript out of the browser but it gave you the it it, it well it runs chromium in the back end but you don't know that at least the user doesn't know that it, it was really cool to be able to write desktop applications with a language that you are familiar with without really needing to learn any new apis or languages we should just probably say that electron is uh it's like a, a node to like a javascript backend and a browser front end and they talk to each other don't they and then there's like yeah interfaces from those to the operating system so electron is a way to build desktop applications using web-based technologies is that a fair summary yep it's a great summary so i started diving deeper into node.js i've said that in a previous podcast episode about javascript but for me node is i think what really kickstarted this javascript world that we know now because of all these tool chains and all these tools that we have now are utilizing Node somehow. And NPM is an outcome of Node. I finished a, a complete bootcamp course on Node, Express, and Mongo. And yeah, as I mentioned, I was mind blown by how powerful Node is. And it increased my love to JavaScript. And then I started dabbling with some more advanced APIs, understanding streams, how streams work in Node.js. And because streams are a big part of Node, because basically any HTTP request that you make in Node you, utilizes streams somehow. And then I moved on to learning Vue.js, React, and playing with JavaScript in some weird environments where I ran a JavaScript client on an ESP8266, which is a very small chip that has Wi-Fi in it. And because of Node, because of the V8, it was possible for someone to write a package that you can install on that little chip that has a JavaScript engine that you can run JavaScript on. And it's very, very small, very small chip. I used it as a part of my master's class project to run an IoT, Internet of Things, JavaScript client on that chip. So imagine the possibilities. So that just enables you to have like a very, very small Internet of Things device and you can just program it to do anything? Yeah. JavaScript and Would, Node? Yep, exactly. And that's something that you were teaching to other people, yeah? Um, no, I, I, um, well, I was taking a class about cloud computing and we had to do, okay. a, we had to do a project by the end of that class, so I chose this one. Cool. <laughs> that's amazing. And it is amazing where JavaScript gets. You know, I've heard that if not the real like SpaceX dashboards inside their, their little capsule uh, uh, javascript and at least the prototype ones are, are written with uh, with javascript libraries and stuff so um it does get everywhere right now yeah um i hadn't realized how deep in the javascript world you were so you're going to be my my go-to guy from now on yeah sure <laughs> cool we've mentioned a lot of things we mentioned a lot of terminology and names and stuff hopefully people who are new to javascript are still listening so maybe we should talk a bit about if you want to get started what's a, a good place to start as you've been talking for a while i'll i'll start with some ideas uh, that i have around this which are start learning vanilla javascript i say learn things like basic dom manipulation so how in modern javascript you can get 
uh, HTML elements and modify their contents and stuff like that. If you've seen jQuery before, this is like doing jQuery without jQuery. And a lot of the functionality of jQuery is now actually just built into standard JavaScript or vanilla JavaScript, as people tend to call it. And also get to grips with event handling if you haven't already. This asynchronous coding idea where you, you fire something off and then you wait for a response to come back or you're responding to things like user inputs coming uh, from the browser. These things, the vanilla JavaScript and uh, manipulating the DOM, they're kind of fundamental to doing anything in a browser with JavaScript. Uh, and I'd also say like there have in the past been these issues with browser compatibility. And I think we're at a point where, particularly if you're learning and just prototyping stuff, I think we're at a point where you can ignore older browsers and just go straight to working with modern JavaScript APIs and the modern syntaxes available to you. So yeah, don't worry about, about Internet 11, Internet Explorer 11, that's, that's dead in the water now. Pick up the modern stuff and learn as much of that as you can. And a good way to do that is to find a course like Wesboss's JavaScript 30, which I said was these 30 exercises that you can step through with his help. That's completely free. His ES6 course, which is a bit out of date now, it's a bit old, but still very, very relevant. That's a paid course and it's really good and well worth the money and certainly set me off on my journey. And we also mentioned a couple of resources like Kyle Simpson's You Don't Know JS books and Dan Abramov's Just JavaScript. They're great for converting like existing programming knowledge over into JavaScript and making JavaScript feel a bit less alien. So the You Don't Know JS books, the first editions of that, which are still relevant, they are free to read online. And the second edition of that is currently being written. I think there's two, it's a, it's a series of books and the first two have been written. Uh, the third two is currently in progress. Uh, Just JavaScript is a paid for kind of interactive. It's a very concise interactive course, which helps you adopt a JavaScript programming mindset, really. So yeah, that's well worth doing and worth every penny, in my opinion, if you want to get to grips with things like scope and how variables and closures and things work in JavaScript. Any things that you think are good for people to start learning early on? So I think, yeah, then you should start looking into figuring out and understanding promises, async await, and asynchronous programming in JavaScript in general. Because as we as we uh, mentioned, these are mind-bending and mind-blowing at the same time and very, very essential. I would recommend that you just go on, on YouTube and search for uh, ES6 promises, async await, and you will find a whole lot of resources and videos that you can learn from. It is an uh, it is a subject that's uh, really well, well covered uh, on sites like YouTube. I think it's good also to to learn a bit about this reactive programming style. And I think React and Vue are quite tricky to get into, but if you pick up a library, a small library like Alpine.js, that will give you a good introduction to reactive programming and this notion of like tying bits of the HTML into JavaScript variables and seeing how they respond. So there are some good resources around learning that kind of thing. And I'd also sort of as a part of that, one of the great things that I think Alpine and Vue are good at, but maybe not so much React is that you can skip the build process, that you can just include these libraries by referencing them from a CDN. So you just put a script tag in your code to pull the library in, and then you can start using it uh, in your code without needing to run a web pack or a module bundler or something to get it all working. So that's a, a much quicker way to get started with those things. Um, yeah, I would like also to add, if you decide to go with React, for example, 
And I know that Vue.js 3 also uses or utilizes some technologies and tool chains like React does now. It is pretty fairly easy to start with React using Create React app. It does all the work for you for creating the config files and uh, all these stuff. And you can just yeah type npm run start and it's going to start that React process for you and literally jump you into the browser where you can see the code running there. So it is not very complicated at the moment now. What kind of simple initial things do you think people could build as their first like starter projects? You got some recommendations around that? You did some geolocation stuff. You can pick and choose any uh, JavaScript API that you find interesting. When I first started, I, I used the geolocation API and I also used the speech to text uh, in its early days. I think it was only part of the uh, Chrome. It wasn't working on any other browser. And I built an app that you hit a, a button, it takes your speech, converts it to text, and it tweets it right away. So it sends it to Twitter. It wasn't really great because it has lots of issues converting speech to text. I had a lot of weird tweets at the, at the time. But very, very popular projects that people do now is building to-do apps. And I've seen this multiple times when people are starting with frameworks like React. The easiest app to build is uh, a to-do app. So what about you? I can't remember where I started a long time ago, but um, modern things I've built, like I've built a couple of clones of this Wordle game, the, the word game that the New York Times bought that was really popular recently. So I figured out how to write a game like that in JavaScript. I've done also like timers and things. Um, but also, I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times already, the JavaScript 30 exercises by Wesbos, they are great for getting fun ideas for things that you can make and introducing you to the APIs in a very uh, friendly and fun kind of way. Yeah, anything else that people could? I mean, there's a lot to learn there, but hopefully we're making it sound fun and exciting and something that people want to do. But any any last things that people might want to move on to? Yeah, because we are speaking with backend developers, I think, uh, or PHP developers who want to start working with JavaScript, uh, they can start building their backend projects using Node.js instead of PHP or any other language that they are currently using. Because I think this gives an interesting perspective on communicating with a process like uh, Node.js process, which is always running in the background. It doesn't get killed. It, it's not stopped. Unlike PHP, where it spins up different processes for different PHP requests, it's not this way in Node.js. Yeah, it, it, it well, it's basically it'll be familiar for you. You are just uh, working with HTTP requests as, as you're used to. That's something I should really do. I've not dived into back-end JavaScript coding yet, but uh, I think that the hosting side has always seemed a bit more difficult to pull off or get going than, than with PHP, but yeah. I imagine that's a lot simpler than it was. Well, you can just run the server locally and not worry about hosting now. But when it comes to hosting, you can actually just spin up a droplet from DigitalOcean or uh, any kind of uh, server and just run your application on an accessible port, like port 80, for example, and you can just access it really easily. It's actually much easier to run a Node.js application than to run a PHP application because with PHP application, you need to install a web server first. You need to do all these configurations. But with a Node.js app, you just run it and it spins up the server for you. Nice, so it acts as the web server 
for you rather yeah. than needing something sat in front of it. I will go away and give that a go at some point in the coming days because I should really uh, dive into JavaScript on the back end. Um, this has been uh, really awesome to chat through this stuff with you. Um, I think there's just so much potential in JavaScript. Certainly WordPress is adopting it more and more through the Gutenberg editor or the new block editor, as it's called. So knowing JavaScript is is becoming more and more vital as a WordPress developer, but it's also just something uh, that you can have a lot of fun with. Hopefully you sort of heard us being excited about the stuff that we can make and do with the browser. So hopefully you'll pick up on that. I've got a comment that jQuery is old. Um, so make sure you learn the new reactive way of programming and uh, modern JS and APIs and, uh, and persevere. JavaScript is good now, don't you think? Yeah, I think you should learn JavaScript now because I think it might replace other programming languages uh, really soon. Yes, my mind's been open all the way along. Like I keep, I kept kept plugging away at JavaScript, trying to uh, trying to like it. And I think if you keep doing that, be open minded. Things nowadays, uh, if you've not looked at JavaScript for a while, are much simpler than they were. That's our encouragement, really. Go away and learn some learn some JavaScript, and uh, maybe get in touch with us and let us know what you learned and how it went. Thanks for joining us and chatting, Ahmed. Yeah, I'll see you uh, See you on the Delicious Brain Slack or something. Yeah, it was a great chat. Thanks, Ross. See ya. Nice one. Cheers.